This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good for the win. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, here with the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, my guy Stucky, and we're here to break down NFL win totals. They're out, they're up. We got thoughts, we got takes. Stuck. What's going on, man? What's going on, brother? It's nice to be back. I just spent the past three days updating all of my numbers models i had to update my models for 17 games which we'll talk about look i and i had college basketball i am so deep into it during the season and then college basketball ends in april and i basically take a week or two breather i don't follow the nfl at all like i am watching all college basketball all the time i have no idea what's going on so i spent this entire week being like oh okay that's where that player ended up so it was a really fun it was really fun three days because you could just get fatigue especially like with COVID and college basketball, college football this year, any season, like at the very end, it's like, all right, I'm ready to move on. So it was nice to get back in to NFL, but I ran through all of my uh, pre-draft, you know, it's preliminary still in a way because there's more moves, win totals. We'll go through every division here. I have like a good over that I like, a good under that I like, and a future. I won't recommend too much because, I mean, you're tying up your money for so long and some things can change, but uh, I'm just looking forward to talking some, NFL and getting back into uh, back into the flow. Absolutely. And uh, I actually took a stab at, at, at picking all 32. Um, a lot of them are just leaned. It's so early in a year, but um, you guys can check that out at actionnetwork.com and let's see if we uh, agree or disagree on any, but let's start in the AFC East. Oh yeah. Let's do this. We have the Buffalo bills. Their over under is 10 and a half. Uh, which way are you leaning on that one? Uh, I am all in on the Buffalo Bills this year. I love this team. The Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the Bills are making it happen now. But uh, I chose, you can find a 14 to 1 out there, 14, 15 to 1. There's also like 10 to 1, which is a little iffier. But if you can find 12 to 1 a little bit, but I mean, remember, you're tying up your money for almost a year. But like 14 or one or better on the Super Bowl, I like. I do like their win total over. I haven't projected. This is actually my biggest edge of any win total. I haven't projected at 11.9 wins. The reason for that, I love this Bills team. Look, I mean, pretty much they're bringing back pretty much their exact same team as last year. Helps when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, which they do. They, you know, lost John Brown, but they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. I love the staff. The whole coaching staff came back. There were questions about that. I didn't think that they were going to keep their coordinators, but they did. But I'm lower on all three other teams, which is contributing to this number being up. But there's a lot of variance with those other teams, right? So the Patriots added a lot of guys. I'm not as high on their additions as some, but they definitely gave Cam Newton more weapons. They added some pieces on defense with Judon and Van Noy coming back. Jalen Mills at safety. It's the revenge tour for Bill Belichick. If you think that Cam Newton 
was injured last year and still has it, the Patriots are going to be better. If you think that Tua in his second year is going to be a lot better, the Dolphins are going to be a lot better. I personally, I'm not, I haven't seen it from Tua yet. I think that the Dolphins may have some regression coming in the defense and special teams departments. They were very fortunate in turnovers. Last year, I, it was with the Dolphins. It was is Fitzpatrick playing? Okay, I might want to bet the Dolphins. If if Tua is playing, okay, I want to fade them. Like that was how big of a difference there was between those two. I know he's the future. But I still have to see it from him. I'm not sold on Cam Newton anymore. And then the Jets, they're going to have a new quarterback, presumably Zach Wilson. What's he going to do as a rookie? So quarterback's the most important position in the NFL. There's three major question marks at quarterback with the other teams. So if it works out for the better, you know, the Bills have to play these teams six times. Could be the difference between going five and one and three and three, right? If, the, if two is is a lot better. If Cam Newton is a lot better than he was last year, if Zach Wilson comes in and is, you know, not Kyle Bowler, but Justin Herbert, right? So so I do like the Bills over, but that's because I'm lower on those teams. I prefer the future. I think that this team is going to the playoffs. I think they're loaded, well-coached. I think that their coaching staff is going to learn a lot from that loss last year against the Chiefs where they kind of got away from everything they did all year. And I think it was a good learning experience for them, but I'm a big believer in the bills. Uh, So I went Super Bowl future Buffalo, but I do lean team total over, but there's a lot of variance with other teams in their division. Yeah. Buffalo was a team. I was talking to Evan Silva and Adam Levitan uh, last week on the established the run podcast. And I was actually leaning under, um, but the more I look at it, it's really hard to bet against the, this Bills team. I mean, the one concern, if you want to look at it from a, a numbers perspective, is they went 13 and three last year. Uh, their Pythagorean win total, so just their uh, implied win total when you look at their point differential, uh, was only 10.6. So they uh, overperformed more than uh, most teams in the league. And, and usually you see regression in, in that aspect. But I love the roster and Sean McDermott 4-0 for the over uh, with the Buffalo Bills in terms of the win total. And on the other side, Bill Belichick 2-5 for the over without Tom Brady. Uh, that includes the year when, when Castle started uh, pretty much every game except the first one. So um, Belichick, you know, everyone loves him and kind of just trusts that, yeah, he'll get this thing done. And I do love what they did on defense. I think the defense could be elite, but – there's a lot of question marks at, on offense. And if you're going to bet unders on teams, I mean, you want to look at the, the quarterback position first because uh, that, you know, you don't want to just be betting overs on teams that have a, a, a shaky quarterback situation unless you're really uh, sold on the numbers. So um, I like the Patriots under as well. Dolphins, I could go either way. I kind of lean over. I think Brian Flores gets it done. Uh, and in the Jets, I just think it's, uh, there's a lot of new pieces. I think the defense could be, a lot better, but just so many new pieces, first-year coach, I think I think they're still a year away. Yeah, I, I mean, I lean under on all three of those, but if you believe in Tua, you could – I would – this year especially, then I think that you would look at Dolphins over. I haven't seen enough yet. The Patriots, I, I could see it going either way. I think I'm, I'm a slightly under their win total. And then the, the Jets – yeah, I would lean under. And this might be something like with the Bengals last year when I went under. Now, fortunately for my bet, Burrow got hurt, unfortunately, for the Bengals, which did help that. But th- this Jets team, look, I mean, all new staff. They're going to have a new quarterback, a rookie quarterback. 
there's still a lot of holes on this roster. The offensive line, I mean, the interior offensive line with a rookie quarterback, does that bring any bells, right? Last year with Burrow, I am not sold on, is Davis a number a true number one? If he is, great. Then you have Mims and then Crowder, and it's a pretty good receiving core. And you, you will have a new offensive coordinator. Can he rejuvenate Herndon at tight end? So there are some pieces, but the offensive line and a, and a bad offensive line and a rookie quarterback is a disaster. And then on the defensive end, Look, Robert Sala is going to come in. He's going to run his 4-3. You hope that Mosley is back in form at middle linebacker. The defensive line is great. Major questions, though, at outside linebacker. I mean, who, who is there? Cashman? Uh, it's a bad outside outside linebacker group. Linebacker's not that important. But go to the corners. I mean, right now, I, I don't. they're starting corners. They projected, what, Hall and Bless Austin, I think, are their top two corners. That's, I mean – no, we know how important corner is in the NFL. So there's some major holes in the Jets roster. I think that they're if they nail the quarterback position, it's a team moving in the right direction. But uh, I, w- I have no interest in the Jets. I would lean under or nothing there this year. Yeah, cornerback is just a disaster for the Jets. They got to they got to upgrade that in a major way. Uh, let's go to the AFC North. It's Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. We have the Baltimore Ravens uh, atop that division in terms of the win totals at an even 11. Remember, it's a 17-game slate. Baltimore, a little bit juiced toward the over. I'd probably still lean over. I mean, this team, really, they just got to figure it out at wide receiver, you know, get an edge guy or two. But, I mean, there aren't many holes on this roster uh, outside of that. What do you think of the Ravens? Yeah, I'm actually at 10.9. I do want to. I think, do think that this is one team that could benefit the most from the draft. Uh, it's going to be hard to project, but they really do need, and they could sign like a Justin Houston still. They need an edge guy, right? They lost Judon to the Patriots. They lost Ngakwe. Big fan of, of losing both, by the way, with, with the amount of money that they got. I think they were smart, but you have to address the edge rush, especially when you go up a guy against a guy named Mahomes and the Chiefs, one of your main competitors in – the AFC, we've seen Mahomes tear them apart because the Ravens have to blitz in order to generate their pressure. They need to have – how did the, the Bucks win the Super Bowl, right? They were able to get pressure without blitzing. So they need to get someone on the edge. Can they get a Bullware or a Suggs, two former first-round draft picks for the Ravens that were rookies of the year? Can they, and, or can they get a number one receiver? If they, can, if they can find a number one in a draft, <laughs> extremely hard to do, especially given the Ravens' track record. And then you have like Watkins – as your three, and then you have Brown, you know, who can slide in as a two instead of a one. Like, okay, and then now you're starting to work with something. You didn't address the interior offensive line. Your secondary is great, which is kind of the staple of that defense. Maybe Tavon Young can return to form in the slot, and then you can have Humphrey on the outside. So the defense still should be good, well-coached team, good special teams. But I'm at about 10.9. I could bump that if I think that you know, they, their edge situation, it's just so important. Or wide receiver improves a bit here. I'm high on the Browns. I, I'm, I project the Browns at 10.4. So I don't have them too far behind the Ravens overall. Hopefully they can improve, you know, speak their special teams, man. But look, this is a team, Beckham will be back. It's the second, this, this is a team that last year I thought was going to struggle a lot more early on. And I know that if you look at, what you're probably going to tell me is if you look at their, their total wins, what do they have, 11 wins, and I think that their high tech would probably be like eight-ish or so. But they dealt with a ton of injuries. I mean, look, they started Robert Jackson at corner in the playoffs, and they still almost won. Robert Jackson's their their backup gunner. They started T- Tavier Thomas 
in the slot a, a couple times. I mean, so their corner situation was brutal. They had, they had a ton of injuries in the secondary. So I, I like what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball with Joe Woods is going to have a lot more pieces to work with. They got Troy Hill, John Johnson from the Rams. They had a clowny, whatever you think of clowny, it's going to help with the depth to go with Garrett and McKinley. Malik Jackson in the interior, Williams and Delpit, they're now healthy. So, look, linebacker is still a little bit of a question, but I like where the defense is, and that was the biggest problem with the Browns last year, but a lot of it was injury-driven. They also had some injuries on the offensive side of the ball. This is Stefanski's second year. Mayfield made some progression last year. That offense in this system with that offensive line, I think that the Browns are here to stay. So I would lean over with the Browns, if anything. And I think that there's some value in the Browns to win the division. I'm low on the Steelers. They have so many holes. Offensive line, corner, Roethlisberger's a year older. The running game is a mess. I, just the, the play calling. I'm just not a fan of where the Steelers are headed. I think they need a rebuild. And the Bengals, it's going to come down to, is that defense any better? Right, We know Burrow's going to come back. They need to protect him number one, and Burrow will be, they'll be better than what they were when Burrow wasn't in there, but can the defense get any stops, right? I mean, they added Reader, which I think can help as Trey Hendrickson. Is he going to really help their edge rush? They have a new corner group. Waynes comes back from injury. They added a Wouzier and Hilton. Darius Phillips showed some promise. So can their corners get better? Their safeties were good last year. The linebackers were a mess. So how much can that defense improve? And how much of a jump will Burrow, who I believe in, take in year two? Uh, that offensive line will be something to monitor. They added a couple interesting pieces there. So uh, I'm about on par with the Bengals. Lower on the Steelers, higher on the Browns, about right around where the market is on the Ravens. Yeah, I really like the Browns as well. It's really hard to find in that team's roster as well. I mean, and in, in what's underrated about the Browns and why they're – at 10 wins at BetMGM. I've seen them at nine and a half with the over heavily juiced uh, at some other sites, but they have six picks in, in the top 132. They have five in the top 110. I mean, this is a team that just has a lot of draft capital, not many holes. So yeah, another one of those teams where you look at the, you know, the point differential from last year and you get a little worried, but then you look a little deeper at the roster, and uh, I think this team is going to be really good. I, I like them as a long shot uh, or, you know, as a just a bet to win a division as well. The Steelers, they're tough. I mean, they're eight and a half, and Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. If they go under eight and a half, that would make them eight and nine. That would be first time. I'm going to look at you real close today to see if you're highly conditioned and ready to go. You know what I mean? And if you're not, I'm going to put you in the news. I hesitate to say – you know, just because the Steelers don't look good right now, bang the under because a lot of this could kind of change. I mean, you know, will they bring back Bill in the wave or will they sign, you know, one of the linebackers that they, you know, left on the, you know, they have a lot of got things kind of still up in the air. I think it's going to be hard to really judge it till after the draft. And the Bengals, I, I think you still got to go under. I mean, they just don't have as, as enough needle moving talent outside of Burrow. I don't think, I mean, they're a solid team, but you look at Zach Taylor, six and twenty-five and one in his two years as coach. Um, you know, Burrow should improve, but he was two and seven as a starter. I don't think this team is markedly better. You know, Hilton Lusier, is that really gonna Eli Apple, is that really gonna upgrade the 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 secondary Ricardo Allen? I don't know. So uh the Bengals are a team I think 
uh, I think they'll struggle, especially because this division is just so loaded. I mean, they could go 0 and 6 against the division if the Steelers, you know, get their shit sorted out. So, yeah, I- I'm going under on the Bengals. I wean over uh, on some of the other teams. That's because I'm, I'm a little higher on this division in general um, because I'm a little lower on the AFC South, I think, than, than most. So I have uh, quite a few unders there. Yeah, I should say I'm at eight and a half with this with the Steelers, like eight and a half on the dot. So I actually wouldn't lean. And I think the over is juice. So I, it's not enough to play the under. So I'm pr- I'm pretty on market there. And yeah, they could add some pieces where I could bump that. I will say one thing with the Ravens that I do like as a fan. And if you're and I bake this into my numbers when I'm projecting, I project them for ten point nine wins. But their tough games are at home. So it's, if they if all the fans are back, it's a tough venue to play and they play the chiefs chargers packers colts rams and the vikings at home on the road bears broncos lions dolphins raiders so if the ravens can hold serve at home outside of the division against these their tougher teams on their schedule that'll go a long way in probably deciding their win total because they do have a lot of winnable uh, non-division games on the road yeah, and Harbaugh eight four and one uh, toward the over in his career as coach of the Ravens. So um, that's kind of a lot of the deciding factors I look at, especially at this time of year when you know things are still going to move around with the draft. But if you're just kind of looking at which way to lean on some of these, I mean, there are certain coaches that get it done year after year after year, and then there's a lot of optimism and hope for everybody else, and uh, not a lot of results. So. Yeah, I, I, I like the Ravens, uh, and, uh, and they could get better, and they don't have many holes. And before we move on here, we want to show some love to our sponsor, Athletic Brewing Company. For years now, Athletic Brewing has been making some of the most flavorful beers money can buy, beers that celebrate the innovation of great craft beer, but without the alcohol. So if you want to take it easy, on the booze and keep your gambling what's about you, Athletic Brewing's award-winning beers are a great option. If you want to support this show, head to athleticbrewing.com, check out their selection, and place an order using code ACTION15. That's ACTION15. This gets new customers 15% off your first order at Athletic Brewing Company. And if you order two or more six-packs, Shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order and enjoy great taste while keeping your gambling edge. Uh, Let's go to the AFC South. Let's start with the Indianapolis Colts. Their over-under is an even 10. I think you go under. It's no guarantee that Carson Wentz is going to be the Carson Wentz of 2017 which was really his only good year. Yes, he's been a lot better with Frank Reich. He's 18 and 11 uh, with Reich uh, as his offensive coordinator, 17, 21 and one as a starter once Reich left. And of course, you know, the on-field play and metrics back it up. But I mean, Wentz really hasn't, he's been inconsistent. He's had one really good year and has been kind of average the rest of the time. So I got to lean under here. I think this team has issues in a lot of places subtly, like, Wide receiver could go either way. I mean, you have Michael Pittman. He could explode, but he's not a quick twitch guy. Hilton's getting older. Um, you know, they have, you know, they lost. Uh, well, they haven't re-signed Justin Houston. They lose Autry. 
you know, they bring in a couple, they bring in Sam Tavey and, and Chris Reed on the O-line who probably aren't going to improve that in any way. Um, you know, I still have some good pieces there, but just not enough for me uh, to, to, to go over with this Colts team. I think they um, may not be quite as good as, as some people expect. And they only have uh, three picks in the first four rounds of the draft as well. So not a team that's necessarily going to get a lot better. And Carson Wentz, you know, could just gives them a really low floor, I think. This division is really tough. Uh, I probably, I won't, I can almost guarantee I won't bet a win total for this division because it's going to come down to the Colts will be the hardest, are the hardest team for me to project because which Wentz do you get, right? Wentz has shown flashes in the past. He was a disaster last year. Does the change of scenery, is that all he needed? He's probably going to be somewhere in between, right? Uh, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year and then someone who people were saying is a top five, top 10 quarterback a couple years ago. So it's going to be somewhere in between. Where is that? That'll probably determine how good or bad the Colts are this year. But they do have holes. They're worse than last year. I mean, you, you said it. They lost their, They lost Autry and they lost Houston. Who, who, who's their edge rush right now? They don't, they don't have an edge rush. And they've tried the draft edge rush in the past. It hasn't really worked out. It hasn't worked out since, what, Mathis and, and Freeney in 02, 03, 04, whenever they drafted those guys in the first round. They also have whole at tackle now with Sam Tevy, I think, is the projected tackle because oh. Sam's retired. 82nd so, of 89 tackles in pro football focuses grades with Tevy. Yeah, so that's not great. Their corner situation, I, I still have questions about. It's a well-coached team, again, yeah. that, but how, where is – is what if Wentz elevates his game to the peak that we saw him? Mean, yeah, they're, they're they could be close to as good as last year. Um, but remember, this is a team last year. Now, granted, they were really close in Buffalo to winning that game, but last year they finished with I think everyone in the playoffs had 11 wins in the FC. They finished with 11 wins, and their Pythag wins were eight, and they had the easiest schedule in the league. They had a lot go their way. I still have a lot of questions about their team, but like I look at the Texans. The Texans roster is a is a dumpster fire. Shield your eyes. This team is officially trash. And I don't think Watson's going to play or at least start the year. So it's like Tyrod Taylor, and then maybe they're the Lions. Like they're they're basically the Lions. They're the new Browns. The Texans are the new Browns. I think. By the way, uh, I think I tweeted that a couple months ago. Like that's the new organization that is just a dumpster fire. They're going to suck for a long time. Here's a fun exercise when you're out this weekend. Just sit around and say, tell me your, tell me uh, as many players as you can name on the Texans right now. Um, <laughs> and like outside of Watson. So I, I, they, and some of their offseason moves were very curious as always. So it's, it's not Bill O'Brien wasn't the only problem there. But so like what's going to happen with Watson? Deshaun Watson gives them a fighting chance in games without him. Oh my God. So, but projecting that. Who knows? Projecting how good Wentz is going to be, that's tough. And then Jacksonville is going to have a, a rookie quarterback. So Tennessee has holes, to, a lot of holes too. They still, I mean, look, their offensive line, their edge rush, they lost a lot of their weapons. I have questions, major questions about that defense. So this is a division I want no part of anybody. So I can't pick one because it's going to come down to some of these things that I'm having trouble projecting. Going back to, real quick to close this out, going back to Miami, one of the reasons I can't play their under, even though I'm lower on Tua, they play the Texans. Is Watson going to be there? They play the Colts. How good is Wentz going to be? We already talked about the Patriots. 
How good are they going to be with their additions? They play the Saints. Oh, we're going to get to them, but with Winston, they play the Jags, rookie quarterback. They play the Panthers. Look, and then you have the Jets with a rookie quarterback. So their schedule is just full of uh, all the teams that, you know, with quarterback uncertainty and high variance, which is one of the reasons I'm avoiding the Dolphins. But yeah, this is a division I'm low on all these teams. I think you're going to agree with me. So I want no part of them. Tough teams to project for various reasons. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I did the exercise. I ended up making a pick on all 32. I went under on all four of these teams. I think this division is overvalued, first of all, at the top because, and we see this from time to time, but you have the Texans and they're going to play, you know, the Titans and Colts are going to play them twice. And you also have the Jaguars, which who, who were one in 15 last year. And I think what happens is, you know, those factor into these very early projections and win totals. These numbers are inflated by like half a win to a win for each for, for the teams at the top. I mean, outside of playing Jacksonville and Houston four times, the Colts play the Bucks, the Rams, Seattle, New England, uh, Baltimore, Buffalo, San Fran, at, you know, Miami and, and Arizona on the road aren't easy either. So, I mean, out, you know, they have the, the, those four kind of maybe gimmies and then Vegas and the Jets, but getting over 10 is going to be tough. I think the Titans are another team that uh, I would go under the nine and a half, uh, even juiced up because they lost Arthur Smith. We don't know if the offense is going to be as good, period. They lost Corey Davis, who was a top 10 uh, wide receiver in terms of yards per route last season. They lose Jonu Smith, so they need wide receiver more than ever. Josh Reynolds is, you know, a below average player in the scheme of things. You know, now they don't have those two tight ends to kind of rely on in the past game. They, they even lost their slot receiver, Humphreys. Janoris Jenkins, Kevin Johnson. Is that really going to fix the secondary? Maybe, but Malcolm Butler and, and Desmond King – uh, and Dory Jackson and, you know, may ha- maybe turn out better than those guys. I mean, you know, it, it, it's not a guarantee that those guys help, but it's not a guarantee that Bud Dupree, um, who they spent a lot of money on at, at, on the edge, is a difference maker. I mean, he's coming off an, an injury. He's kind of been up and down and, and you know, got, got a lot of help with that Steelers defense just being so strong all over. Um, totally different situation here. So, I mean, I, I like that they got Autry, but – there's just a lot of uncertainty with this team. And they're very – and one of the things with these, this 17-game schedule, it, you know, it makes every, you know, every bit of depth a little bit more important. It makes you know, these top-heavy teams a little more fragile. And Derrick Henry's carried the ball so much over these past few years. Um, you know, we saw it with Christian McCaffrey. You know, it happens to every running back at some point. Um, and, and if they – if anything happens to Henry, A.J. Brown, who struggled with injuries – um, from you know, or play through some from time to time. I mean, it, this is just a very fragile team, so I got to go under them. And then Jacksonville, I mean, these new college coaches they tend to improve their teams by about 17 percent, you know, over the last couple decades. But this is a one in 15 team, you know, going from one to seven, even in a 17 game schedule, that's going to be tough. And then the Texans they really they lost JJ Watt, Fuller, and maybe Deshaun Watson, and, and you know, and McKinney and Nick Martin, like pretty much all their good players or, or decent players. And they just added a whole bunch of below average talent. I mean, uh, you can see all the names. I list them out on, uh, on my write-up, but it's just ridiculous how many like kind of bottom tier, you know, 25th percentile type players they added. So yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of this division at all. Yeah. I mean, the Texans, it's like, I've been screaming for them. They, they, they added a good cover guys to, to scheme differently. 
on defense, generate some pressure, stop going so basically They bring in Lovey Smith, the defensive coordinator. He's a dinosaur. He's gonna run. He's gonna run four three cover two base ninety percent of the time. Um, I mean, it, it's a disaster what's going on in Houston. All these teams that I'm lower on would lead me to want to bet the over with Jacksonville, but that, it's and look, they're I think they were their pie tag wins are like four. They were in a lot of games. They only won one. How much can you trust Lawrence? It's tough to trust a, a rookie quarterback. And I, I just want no part of uh, this division. The, the Titans, look, it's, can Dupree and Autry generate a ton of pressure? I don't trust their, their cover guys. That's been the problem with their defense is they've had injuries in the secondary, but they haven't been able to generate any pressure. And we know once you can generate pressure – Look, last year, nine of the top, nine of the bottom ten teams in pressure. It didn't make the playoffs. Washington, they get all these corners. They they grade out elite. Now all of a sudden, why? Well, the defensive line gets pressure in two seconds. Can solve a lot of issues. But I'm not a buyer in the Tennessee defense, and they lost a lot on the offense. So yeah, pass, pass, pass. Unders are nothing across the board. You don't want to bet under on all four teams <laughs> in the division. But uh, I would I would uh, lean that way. Yeah, I mean, that, like, yeah, like, and I will give the market props. I think the win totals market, at least for this point in time, is pretty sharp uh, as of now. I'm usually looking to bang a lot of over, um, unders, uh, especially on the higher win totals. But uh, outside of, you know, just kind of going under and all four in the AFC South, uh, a lot of the teams that are in the double digits, and granted, they added a game, so it's 17, but are kind of over teams. And, you, you know, you just have to look at the track record of the coaches and whatnot. And uh, speaking of which, Kansas City, over under 12 wins. I mean, Andy Reid hasn't gone under yet. Andy, you had a cheeseburger in celebration of the uh, AFC championship game. Is that true? I did. Good one. Just one? Yeah, but it was thick. You're not going to bet the under on Kansas City, are you? Yeah, Kansas City, my projection is... They have questions on the offensive line. Their defense is what it is, right? We know that they're going to struggle at times, but they're going to be well-schemed. We know they have Mahomes. They did lose Watkins. It's just they're going to be a player in the playoffs. I have them projected at 12.04 wins. So, like uh, – and they – so I think that they're a little wor- worse than last year with some of the questions on the offensive line. So – We'll see how they address that in the draft or if, you know, and they brought in some guys that I think could be productive and you don't need the most outstanding offensive line. So I actually agreed with some of the moves that they made. Like you don't need to overpay offensive line with Patrick Mahomes, right? Where it really did show is when you play like a defense that is getting elite pressure in the Super Bowl. And that was the difference. You, you play one or two of those teams a year and Mahomes can make up for a lot of that. But I have the Chiefs right around 12. It feels like they win 12 games every year. Last year they won. Did they win fourteen last year? But they got they won a couple close games that could have easily lost. I think that their high fag wins and some of their expected wins were closer to eleven. So I think that this team. Look, I think the Raiders are worse off. I think the Chargers will be improved from a coaching perspective. It's Herbert's second year. Can he play as well as he did last year? That's a question. I think we can we can ponder. The Broncos. I am high on. So I'm a little lower on the Raiders. The Chargers, um, about market, project them right around nine wins because they still do have holes. I like the signing of Lindsay at center, but their secondary, I know they get Derwin James back, is not as good. Defense, uh, major questions about their defense. I think the coaching, though, just the, 
the coaching in general can win them a games that they lost last year. So that's something to keep an eye on late game situations. Anthony Lynn is gone, but the Broncos I'm really high on. And I'm, in, I want to debate this with you because I know you're going to tell me I'm crazy because it's Drew Locke is the quarterback, but I really like this Broncos team. I, it's one of my favorite overs. I project them at eight, four, and I, I will pay juice up to like minus minus one thirty five. Last year, my win totals that I gave out, and I have another article this year, I went 4-0-2. Two of those pushes I got because I well, I chose to pay the higher juice. One of the wins I got because of the same. I'll, I'll pay up to like minus 135 um, if I have the choice, right? You can look at one book and you have over seven plus 100 or over six and a half minus 135. I'll go over six minus 135 every six and a half minus 135 every time. So, but the Broncos, I love. I'm at eight four. I'll, I'll go over seven, heavily juiced, and I think that this team is the 2018 Chicago Bears, and they have a lot of guys from that team. I mean, look, Fangio's there in his third year, but he will now have Callahan and Fuller, who were in that secondary. Uh, so, I think that they upgraded the the secondary, bringing back Jackson and Simmons at safety is huge. They're going to get Chubb. And Miller back healthy together off the edge. I love that. Their defense had so many injuries last year, so many, and they still played respectable. It allowed guys like Draymond Jones, Malik Reed to get playing time, and they were they were productive. So I think they're going to be a lot deeper. Um, they also signed Darby at corner. I, I'm, I think his numbers were a little inflated last year, but he's better than what they were putting out there last year. So I think the defense is a top five unit in the NFL and that 2018 bears team dominant defense dominant. And you can compare a lot of the same pieces to this team. And they had Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback this year. It's drew lock. I don't know if the Broncos are going to trade up or get somebody else, but I'm assuming they're going with drew lock tons of injuries on the offensive side as well. Right. They are going to get Sutton back a pro bowl caliber receiver. You had Hamler. Can he stay healthy? But Judy emerged and St. Patrick as a receiver too. So I like their weapons with Fant. Are Juwan James, can he be productive at right tackle? If he is, Garrett Bowles has emerged as an all-pro left tackle. Cushenberry, their center, was awful last year, but he was a rookie, played every snap. You expect some development there, so I think the offensive line will be better, especially if James can play even half the games. Um, so the pieces will be better for Locke. I think the defense is going to dominate. You get nine home games in Denver what's the highest home field or the best home field advantage in the NFL due to the altitude. The game that they added was the lions. So it's the first time in four years that they haven't changed offensive coordinators. A lot to like about this Denver team, except the quarterback. So it's, they, that could always be the Trump card. And then I'll have to tuck my head and walk away. But uh, Denver is one of my favorite win totals. That's the over that I'll give out on the show. Denver over seven juice. Yeah. I mean, last year, Denver was kind of a trendy pick. I was way off Denver. They were one of my favorite unders. I'm actually with you this year. I love Denver's over as well. They're one of the few teams kind of in that mid-tier that I think has a really good case for going over. You kind of said it. They don't have many holes on their roster outside of that quarterback position. But let's remember, they do have the ninth pick in the draft. Um, you know, they do have a bunch of, uh, you know, weight round picks. Maybe they trade. And they really don't have holes outside of that. And Cushenberry, who they could also upgrade on in the draft or free agency if they really feel like, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a problem going forward. So, I mean, the defense is just man to a man. 
I mean, it is elite. You know, where you just look every position, they have guys that can play every down if they need. You know, maybe they they need some a little bit of uh, they can use an extra safety. You know, I think Jackson and Simmons played almost every snap last year. I mean, yeah, Jackson and Simmons played every snap. Uh, Jackson's thirty three, so. Um, but it's kind of nitpicking them. And I think Jawan James is huge. Um, you're really going to have four out of five offensive linemen that are, you know, above average probably if, as long as James can, can return to the level he's been at. So uh, I think Locke is going to have a completely different situation. Great explosive skill position players entering year two. You mentioned it. Um, they have the same offensive coordinator. So, yeah, this is the one team I think – a lot of these uh, are inflated in, in this mid-tier. You know, it's a lot of selling on this hope and optimism, but uh, I think Denver has a real case. And you look at the schedule. I mean, they play a lot of winnable games at home. First of all, Chargers and Vegas are, are winnable. I think the Broncos are the second most talented team in this division. I think the Chargers got a lot of holes on defense. They lost a lot of talent. Uh, Perriman, Hayward, and, and just a whole a bunch of guys. Um, but play those teams four times. Philly, Cincinnati, Jets, and Detroit at home, Jacksonville, the Giants, uh, Pittsburgh, Dallas on the road. Those teams don't really scare me either. Um, so, yeah, this this Denver team is the team I'm looking at in this division too. I think the, the Raiders are an under team for me. I think they made a lot of moves in free agency and got worse. Uh, and they lost, you know, a guy like Nelson Aguilar, who you don't think much of, but he was one of the better receivers in the league last year. Uh, you know, even though he's going to be due for regression in terms of his numbers, I don't think the Raiders necessarily are going to replace what he brought to the table, um, even with, you know, Brown and Snead and they got all these young guys still. But um, the O-line got worse. They didn't really need Kenyon Drake. Uh, and Gakwe has been declining in, in terms of his performance. He's still above average, but, um, you know, he's kind of shaky. The safety position is still shaky. You know, Carl Joseph, they added. He's one of the worst safeties. So, I, I can't see it with the Raiders and then the Chargers. I just think they have way too many holes on defense. I think they'll be a shootout team, but I, I'm not betting on a shoot. Uh, what I expect to be a shootout team to win 10 games. I think eight and nine is a lot more likely for the Chargers than 10 and seven. Yeah. I, also Denver, you get Glasgow, they're one of their guards. So I like, he was hurt all last year, dealt, missed games, dealt with injuries, dealt with COVID. So that's basically you're getting him fully healthy back and James. Offensive line is going to be a lot better. The hope with the Raiders is Gus Bradley can help the defense just scheme-wise because they're really lacking in talent, but I'm not buying it this year. And, yeah, I mean, if the Chargers – look, if, if Herbert has any decline in the sophomore year or like a sophomore slump, yeah, they're going to be in trouble because they're going to need to score. I, I completely agree with you. I'm right on market with the Chiefs. They'll probably win this division. They'll probably win 12 games. It, the win total – boring injuries. The win total will probably come down to like the last week. Do they sit anybody – they not. I think they'll be right around 12. I think the Broncos are going to the playoffs. Um, I think they're winning 10 games. And uh, if you want to take a flyer, I don't hate 60 to 1. I think that they're the, the 2018 Bears with Mitch Trubisky. Empty set for Trubisky. With time downfield, wants Robinson. Intercepted by Shaquille. And intercepted again by Shaquille Griffin. And it's intercepted. Trubisky over the middle. Mitchell Trubisky gets caught trying to force something in there. 2018 Bears with 12, 12 and four, lost three of their four games by a field goal or less. We're bouncing the playoffs, literally bounced on a double doink. But I think Denver is going to the playoffs. A lot to like about this team this year. Yeah, I don't disagree. And that's that's a surprise for me. I'm usually down on Denver, but 
man, I really love the defense. I'm kind of mad he didn't argue back with me. I, but. I, mean, I thought I was going to be taking Broncos under. I mean, I was ready to do it. And then, you know, I kind of dove in and looked at the schedule, looked at the roster. And, I mean, there's – there's just not, there's a lot more upside than downside, and seven and a half is is not hard to clear, especially in a division where yeah you're playing the Chiefs, but you're playing a, a bunch of you know Raiders and Chargers who I think have West Town on a roster. So yeah, yeah. and you met, you mentioned depth. I think this is really even more important in a 17 game with an extra game. The Broncos, you know, injury luck is gonna you can't really predict it. The Broncos had so many injuries last year, so your regression maybe they get they they you would think that maybe this year they don't have as many injuries, but. The thing, and I mentioned this before, they got a lot of experience from other guys last year who had a play, and I think that that's going to help their overall depth, which I think this helps this year. Drew Locke season, baby. Yeah, there's just a lot more upside than downside with the Broncos this year. And now a word from our friends at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell, here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, plus they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Uh, let's go to NFC. We have the Dallas Cowboys atop the NFC East, nine and a half, uh, juiced toward the under. I, I lean under for Dallas. I mean, listen, Dak is going to be back. Yes, he played well, but I still don't think the defense is fixed. Uh, you know, they did add Keanu Neal, uh, KZ, two Falcon safeties, which – not exactly the greatest thing in the world. Jaron Curse, uh, you know, the O-line's getting older. They had terrible injury luck, but I don't think the O-line's going to be quite as good. You saw some drop-off from Zeke. I mean, I just don't think this team, at least as it stands, has enough to warrant betting them to get to double-digit wins. You know, we saw the NFC East really stink it up last year. Uh, this could, you know, this could be another situation where there's just, and, and I like the, the the Washington football team. I think that's the team clearly, uh, if you want an over in this division, that's, that's the number one team. I, I lean over at the Eagles as well. I think six and a half is a little too short. The Giants may be trendy to some people, but I mean, they made a lot of improvements to the roster, but I still see weaknesses at quarterback, offensive line, offensive coordinator, 
not a team I want to be betting the over on. I think they'll be a competitive team, probably well coached, but uh, it's not enough for me at the offensive line and then not enough at quarterback to, to overcome it uh, for me to bet the Giants. So I, I really like Washington. I think Washington should be favored to win this division. I think their defense is already elite. I think they have a lot of flexibility now in the draft. They have four picks in the top 82 and not really many holes on a roster. I mean, the holes I consider are like Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, quarterback more so for the future. Um, you know, Fitzpatrick, I think, is an upgrade on what they had last year. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. Wide receiver, they could still use another one, I think. Um, but, you know, they, up, again, upgraded on last year with Samuel and Humphreys. Tight end, another thing for the future, just because Logan Thomas, I mean, he's had one good year, already about to turn 30. So, you know, just a lot of kind of luxury needs for the Washington football team. But uh, another team, I just think, kind of like the Broncos, just elite defense, undervalued on offense. Um, I think they should be the favorite. So I'm going Cowboys under, Washington over, Giants under, Eagles over. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Philly hires, specifically their defensive coordinator, Gannon, who, you know, Brandon Staley got all of the the press for what he did with the Rams defense, and rightfully so, but there's word on the street that he was taught a lot of what he was taught came from Gannon. But so I think that long term that the Eagles are in good shape, but they still have a ton of uh holes on this roster. Still question their cornerback. Look at their corners. I mean, who are who are their corners? Matt Maddox? Uh, is he their number two? Darius Slay is not getting any younger. I don't even know who their number three is. They I mean they need corner help bad. The, their offensive line isn't getting any younger as well. Wide receiver, is my fully bought in on Jalen Hurts yet? I don't, I mean, this this roster still has too many holes. I project them at seven. So I'm right on market with the Eagles. Washington, I'm actually right around eight. So I'm actually a little lower than the market. I know why people love them. I love the defense. Uh, I love the signing of Samuel. I'm a big fan of Gibson. Is Can Fitzpatrick maintain a high level of play for an entire year? Uh, as the starter that's the main question that I have Dallas I think it comes down to look Dallas kind of reminds me of the Chargers in a way that they're gonna have to win shootouts they have questions on the defense if they get like a certain to match with Diggs I'm a I'm a believer in Diggs they're gonna be really young at corner but how much can that help them you know they have a new defensive coordinator Dan Quinn what can he do there that Mike Nolan obviously couldn't get done. So can their defense improve? They were crushed by injuries last year. And can Collins and Smith stay healthy at the tackle positions? If you get, and if so, you have two of the best tackles in the NFL with Dak back and then a lot of weapons. They're going to score. They're going to score on most teams. And then it's, okay, how much is the defense improved? You know, because like Diggs, Lewis, and Brown (sighs) – You look at their corners. If they add certain, it gets a little more interesting. So I think that the Cowboys are actually getting a little disrespected in the market. Um, But I want to see what they do at corner. And I think a lot of it will come down to tackle help. I have them projected at nine, six. So you can get a, a juiced over nine. I would lean that way, but it's not something I'm running to bet. Um, and then in regards to the Giants, I actually like the moves that they made. They're getting crushed, but I think that they needed to get a guy like Galladay. And I love the signing of Adoree Jackson. I don't care if they gave him, what, $13 million this year and $26 million guaranteed, and people are killing him for the contract. I think he's elite when healthy. Now, 
why was he never back? And there's reports that like his work ethic and during his injury and he wasn't that dedicated and now he just got a contract. Does that pre I don't know. I've seen him play at an elite level when healthy. I can't project injuries, but I think that significantly helps their secondary. Love their defensive line. Um, the offensive line is the big question. How much of a jump can they take in year two? They had a lot of young guys playing last, last year, and they weren't great. They didn't perform well, but they were thrown into the fire. You get a soldier back. What can he do? Especially from like a veteran leadership perspective, I think that he might end up being like the swing tackle. So I actually like some of the things the Giants did, but I'm pretty on market with their projections. I think it's a high upside team because if the offensive line can come together, if Dory Jackson is a lead at corner and healthy all year, Seems really interesting, could easily win the division, but I'm about on market there. Um, not a ton of interest in the NFC East, and it'll be interesting to watch what they do in the draft. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. Let's go to the NFC North. We have the Green Bay Packers, 10 and a half, reduced to the over. Uh, Matt LaFleur has led the Packers to back-to-back 13-3 and records. Hard to, you know, bet against them, but at the same time, you know, I get why some people maybe uh, would stay away. You know, they really have nothing to speak of in terms of off-season additions. You know, they're going to do it through the draft, as they, you know, tend to do. But, you know, last year was kind of a, a shaky draft. So, you know, they do have some draft capital here, five picks in the top 142 uh, this year, but it's, it's what do they do with them? Because they didn't really add anything. They they lost Corey Lindsley, the top center in terms of PFF grades. Besides that, you know, they, they re-signed some of their, you know, Aaron Jones, which, uh, you know, could argue either way, but he's he's been extremely productive and, and efficient. So, I mean, I don't have too much on the Packers, I think. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Which way would you go on, on Green Bay here? I, I lean over just because Aaron Rodgers still playing. We kind of the same team it's been, but – uh, you know, what are your thoughts? I project them. What's their win total? 11. I'm at like 10, 8, 10, 9. Um, I would have loved for them to get, I guess, another wide receiver or another corner. And they re-signed King. That was kind of their weakness in the – really would cause their downfall in the NFC Championship game. Uh, the offensive line, there are some questions, right? They lost Lindsley and Bakhtiari. When is he going to be back, right? He tore his ACL late in the season. So I don't think he's going to be – 100% healthy by week one, he might be. I mean, the ACLs now, you can, you might be able to get back. But it's something to monitor. Um, the new defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, I think he can help with the linebackers in the run defense some. Be interesting to see what they do on that side of the ball. Offensively, can they just – my question is, can they just be as elite as they were last year? They were so – Aaron Rodgers was so good. That, I mean, the numbers are, are silly. And it was after everyone was saying Aaron Rodgers on the decline. So it's very difficult to project for me these quarterbacks like Brady and, and Rod, like are they it's just they're just assume that they're gonna maintain an elite level forever now. Um and you know, declines aren't just for quarterbacks for Hall of Fame quarterbacks aren't elite, 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 you're Mitch Trubisky, right? It's it's it'll, it'll be gradual. So projecting that, can they maintain can they be as good offensively as they were last year? If they are. They'll probably go over because look at their division. I know they have nine road games, but the Lions are a dumpster fire. Lions favored under. You throw that out there. Detroit. I project the Lions. I project them 
I'm surprised I was that high. They might win one game. And you know, I hate Jared Goff though. So that goes into it. He's their quarterback, but who's on this roster? What, what, what is this roster? And it's going to be like, a, they want to run it with their new, and I don't even like any of their hires, their coaching hires. Yeah. They want to run the ball. I guess their offensive line is like, okay, I, I guess. Tell me one thing you like about the Lions roster. Go. You can't. It's, it's, <laughs> this is a dumpster. It's a dumpster fire. The bear. I mean, it's, it's bad. The bears. I lean under there again this year. I, mean, I would rather have Mitch Trubisky than Andy Dalton. At least Mitch Trubisky can run around. There's you know, the offensive line. It can be okay. Montgomery has shown that he can play last year, and you did bring Allen Robinson back. But I have other questions about their other weapons, the play calling, and the defense is going to be worse than last year. You replaced Fuller with Trufant, who was, I think, rated 120th out of 121 corners per PFF last year. You – Everyone is getting older on that side of the ball. I know Eddie Goldman coming back will help, but you know Mac's not getting any younger. Trevathan's lost a step. Uh, they, they have questions at the other safety spot next to Jackson. So this defense, can Jalen Johnson emerge as a number one? And by the way, you have major injury questions. True Font and Johnson are your top two corners. First of all, that's not great. Second of all, they're, they have a lot of injuries in their past, the past couple of years. So – questions at nickel corner. So I, I think this defense, the defensive front will be great. Hicks and Goldman and Mac, right? But a lot of questions on that back end. Um, and Dalton's your quarterback. And I, I don't trust the coaches as to low in the Bears. Bears are my I, I would, if you want to play an under, I would play under there too. They're in the same division as the Lions. And then the Vikings kind of are who they are to me. I mean, I'm dead on market. Uh, I'm actually a little lower. I'm already right around eight and a half. They have questions too. So I think that the Packers are in really good shape to get to the playoffs, which is all you really want to do in the NFL, especially when you have Aaron Rodgers, because they're basically who they were last year and the division stinks. Yeah. I, I lean over on the Vikings. I think they'll be a lot better. Uh, remember they just started off last year all out of sorts on defense. You know, they spent some money there. Uh, you know, some guys will be a, a year more experienced. I think, you know, adding Woods, adding, you know, Alexander Peterson, Vigil, Weatherly. I mean, it's going to help. Uh, they get Pierce back. Dalvin Tomlinson's a great add on the defensive line. Um, they won't miss as many. It'll be hard. They'll be hard pressed to miss as many kicks. Uh, I believe Dan Bailey missed what was it like thirteen kicks last year. So uh, Justin Jefferson's elite. You know they'll probably if, if Thielen can hang on for another year, they'll have a really elite receiving core. Cousins do thirty five touchdowns and. The, I can play the Bears and Lions four times each. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Bears under. I think. You know, Matt Nagy has kind of gotten it. They've been average most years, you know, even when it, things look shaky. But this roster got really depleted. And I mean, I have them with holes at quarterback, receiver, interior line, linebacker, corner, and safety. So uh, I just think there's too many holes on this team's roster. Remember, depth is so important or a little more important this year than it's ever been. And it, it's, I just don't see it there for the Bears. So, yeah, I'm um, going under on them as well. What do you think about the Saints? Let's go to the NFC South. Tampa Bay, 11 and a half. Tom Brady, I didn't realize he was this good uh, toward his, you know, over-under record, but he's kind of got a little Andy Reid thing going. He's 15-2-2 for the over of the win total in his career. So I lean over with Tampa Bay. I'd probably argue New Orleans got got worse. But uh, what do you think about uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans at the top of this division? Yeah, by the way, Patrick Peterson went to the Vikings. He suggested it. I've been screaming it. He wants, hey, maybe I'll move to safety. Guess what he turned? Guess what he turned? 30. 
Guess where his production went last year? South. He's a man corner. Uh, the Vikings just did this dance with uh, Xavier Rhodes. So I, I, Patrick Peterson, who I love, he's been around forever. Listen to the guy. He, man, he would have been a great safety somewhere for like a really a contender. Now we get to see him get roasted all year as, as the number one corner of many. Good luck against Devontae Adams. Anyway, uh, NFC South. Tampa is, when's the last time? Yeah, 30, 40 years. A Super Bowl winner has brought back every starter. Uh, I project them a tad under 12. This is a team that you could see. This is so narrative-based. And you always talk about Super Bowl hangovers, and a lot of that I think is anecdotal and narrative-based. But it's a team everyone comes back, right? How do you motivate them early on in the season? It's like you are, you already have their jobs, and it's it's one thing that you can you can see that Arians is is aware of this, right? He's saying like that. He keeps saying in the press that team won the Super Bowl. This team has done nothing. And I think that he can kind of sense that there might be some complacency, right? A lot of times in the Super Bowl, you win the Super Bowl, there's some turnover. You're going to have some competitions at a lot, a lot of key positions. There's like none of that here in Tampa. This is the same team as last year. That would be one thing I'm worried about there. They're, probably, they're going to be in the playoffs. The Saints is a really solid roster. We know what we're going to get with Winston. I'm excited that he's started. Well, is he going to start? I don't even know. Uh, how much is he going to play quarterback? Who knows, trying to project that. But um, Winston, I'm excited to back him as a dog. Against Tampa? Can't wait for that. Uh, fade him as a favorite. He's going to be a high-variance player with the Saints. It's like, it's It doesn't really fit with their offense and, and DNA of who they've been recently. It'll be interesting to see how that works. Uh, the Panthers, do you believe in Darnold? I don't. No, no. No. I know that he was in a shitty situation with a shitty O-line, shitty weapons, shitty coach, but you can, uh, from metrics and eye test, you can see who the guy is, I think, by now. And uh, so I'm not a believer. He'll make some great electric throws, but I don't think that he's a top-tier quarterback that's going to turn around the Panthers, uh, who have major questions on defense. Major and by the way, all those corners that were playing well at the end of the beginning of last year and with fluky performances, they like released them all, which I thought was funny. So I'm not a believer in the Panthers. I project them at 6.8. I went under last year. I would lean under again with the Panthers. I'm not a Darnold believer. I actually would prefer Bridgewater over, over Darnold, believe it or not. And uh, the Falcons are an intriguing team. And I project them at eight, and they're seven and a half. Look, the offense is going to be good. And especially the young offensive line, really young offensive line around Jake Matthews, if they can step up and and progress and develop another year, they have the weapons on the outside, especially if Julio can stay healthy. They added Davis and Cordero Patterson. Patterson was with uh, their new offense coordinator in in Chicago, too. It would be interesting to see how they use him. But they have the weapons they're going to score. How much can their defense help? And can they score in the red zone? Can they figure that out? Um, maybe Patterson can help. It's somewhat there, but it's it's not a, just a fluky thing anymore. It's a trend. But Dean Peace, new defensive coordinator. Uh, I like their linebackers. I like the Harmon signing. I just wish, you know, they lost all their other safeties. They lost like Neil and Casey. And Dean Peace, he's going to run nickel a ton. 
and he's got, he's run a multiple defense with a lot of safeties on the field. I just don't know if they have enough. I think Harmon fits really well there, though. Can Fowler find his game? Can A.J. Terrell be a number one corner? These, these are questions where you would probably say no, but if everything falls into place for this defense with Pease as a new D.C., this is a team that could win nine or ten games if the defense is just as bad and they can't figure out the red zone, they're going to win probably right around eight again. Um, so I'm most intrigued by the Falcons over in this division. Um, other than that, I'm low on the Panthers. The Saints are going to be high variance. I project them right on market. And uh, the Bucks, I'm right around 12. The Panthers are my favorite under right now. I mean, adding Darnold, I think kind of, you know, maybe they were in the hunt for Watson before all this uh, you know, all, all the Wego issues played out, but, you know, having two shaky quarterbacks on a roster kind of cements them as a, a team that's in trouble. And then, yeah, the, their defense, you know, even with, you know, Brown getting Brown last year in the draft, major question marks there, as you mentioned, most of the players, you know, they lost some, some players that played well for them. Zach Kerr uh, was top 10 in PFF, Corn Elder, um, you know, was playing well at corner. He's on the Lions now. Even Curtis Samuel, I think that's a big loss on offense. I mean, he was able to take advantage of having you know, Moore and Anderson on the outside. And you add Dan Arnold at tight end. He's not really a guy that, um, you know, like a above average tight end. He, it worked on the Cardinals as a guy that, you know, could move inside and out. But, I mean, there's just so many holes in his roster and start the quarterback. And the Falcons, initially, I, I like their uh, over. Some books have it at seven. Bet MGM has it seven and a half. But I look at this roster and outside of Matt Ryan and Julio and Ridley and Grady Jarrett, I mean, they have some sexy headliners uh, on the roster, but I do not think this is a talented roster. And I think there are just too many holes, not enough cap space, not enough draft, just not enough to, to fix in one year. And uh, I think the Saints will be a little better than people think. I think it may be Taysom, but they're eight and one straight up without Breeze the last two years. Sean Payton, nine, four and one toward the over in his career. So if I'm betting on anyone to kind of, do, you know, kind of turn it around his division or after the Bucks or, or keep it going, it's, it's going to be the, the Saints and not the, the Falcons. They just uh, I just think there's a lot of holes in that roster. And again, this is one of those teams where that's going to come into play even more because depth is going to be a concern. And if you have any one of those headline guys go down for any period of time and you know Julio's getting older, I mean, I just think they're in big trouble. So um, not really on the Falcons, but I love the the Panthers under. That's my favorite right now. Don't don't disagree with that. But you, by the way, you can inform myself and the readers. I've done all of my NFL catch-up three full days this week um, after being just immersed in college basketball. Has, has, what is the consensus with the Saints? Because I, I went with like, okay, 75% it's Winston. I, I But I'm like so much lower on Hill than everyone. Um, I guess Hill would maybe fit there. I don't even know. What is? What, do you think it's going to be Hill from day one? I think it'll be Hill. I'm just going off what Sean Payton has shown us. I mean, they, he brought Vincent yeah, in for that so. one game, and everyone thought he was going to start. And it was almost assumed. I remember that first week, it was like assumed until it wasn't. And he wasn't starting. And he, we never saw him again until he threw the trick pass in the playoffs. But I think – Is Hill like the better – is that because of like it's a one-week thing, so it's harder to prepare for like, oh, Hill has leg, his legs and then – it's, Winston, the way that he plays doesn't really fit the offense. Will they redo the offense? I, I don't know, but I, I, you're I right. Think, Peyton, he loves Peyton's been dreaming of this. I think the reason Winston came in that game is, and a lot of people forget this, but Taysom Hill 
it's part of every week's game plan on special teams and offense. Like he, he's a receiver. He runs routes. He does like, he does a lot of things. So that's why you don't bring him in. Cause he's already, you know, he's part of the offensive game plan at other positions. Um, you know, if he's not starting. So I think that's why Winston came in, but I'm, I'm just judging by Sean Payton. I think it'll be, uh, I think it'd be Taysom Hill. And I think, I think it might work. I, I mean, I, I think it can work because it's a guy who can move around. He, he's still got Michael Thomas. I, I would like to see them upgrade the receiving core, but um, you know, very solid roster guy that can run. I mean, is he, you know, how much he's just, a, it's like a poor man, Josh Allen situation, right? It's like Josh Allen was bad at one point and then he got good. And I mean, Taysom Hill's not that like, not in the same vein, but I just think he gives them enough especially with this roster, with this coaching staff, that I would expect New Orleans to beat up on the the Panthers and Falcons and, and end up going over. So um, I don't know the consensus. I think people are kind of assuming Winston, but I, I'm definitely saying Taysom Hill starts more games, barring injury. Uh, you have more faith in Hill than me. Uh, and by the way, Hill's like over 30, I think, and, yeah. and Allen's only 24. But solid roster, well-coached. I just don't see it with Hill's arm, like being a consistent enough thrower. But um, – I mean, Drew Brees had no army. They got it done. So, you know. Fair. Let's go to the NFC West and wrap it up here. We got the Rams 10 and a half. I, I got to go under. Both the Rams and the Niners are 10 and a half. I'd go under on both. Listen, I like both of these teams rosters, but with the Rams, I just, I still have questions about Matthew Stafford. I mean, just how much will he be an upgrade uh, on Jared Goff? I think is the question Stafford has had two winning seasons. Is that because of the defense in Detroit all these years, you know, or, I mean, he definitely had trouble beating winning teams. We know that. Um, So I, you know, 10 and a half in in a division where I could see any of the four teams being a double digit win team. Uh, is just tough for me. So I'm going to take the value on the unders for the teams at the top. And then I like the Seahawks. Uh, That's my favorite over nine and a half. They've won double digit games in eight of nine years with Russell Wilson. And that's in a 16 game slate. So now you can bet them over nine and a half and, uh, and you got an extra game to get there. Their offensive line, all five starters now should be with, with the addition of, of Jackson would rank above average in pass blocking efficiency per pro football focus. So Wilson may actually have a good O-line. I do think they need another uh, receiver or two. You know, they're very short on depth if those the, the studs go down. But uh, I like the Seahawks roster. The one thing is they don't really have much draft capital. So if you don't like their roster as much as I do, uh, I, I could see it, like, why you'd stay away. But I, I really like what they're doing. I, Witherspoon was a good ad. Hyder was a good ad. Their pass rush should be improved. D-line should be improved with Woods. And then, and then Cardinals, uh, I lean over the eight wins, I think, the, the two teams at the top are a little overrated. I think the Cardinals could go like three and one against the Rams and Niners or something like that. I, I do like the, the the moves they made. You know, they took some chances on some some veterans like Watt and, and Green, but they also got Rodney Hudson. Uh, I think Butler will be a good ad for them. You know, they, they added Connor, so they, they don't have to use a draft pick on a running back, which is key because they only have two in the top 50 and then not another one to the fifth round. So another team that really comes down to how you feel about their roster. They did lose some linebackers, but, and Peterson, but uh, I, I like the Cardinals. I think 
Um, I think they're a little bit undervalued because the the Rams and Niners are inflated. Cliff Kingsbury. Matt Prater, he might help. They had all yeah. kinds of kicking issues last year. I'm at eight, eight, right at eight and a half for the Cardinals. You can get them over eight. I would lean over there. Uh, with Arizona, look, I mean, some of the – it's like, what can Watt give you? A.J. Green, what does he have left? I mean, some of the, their older signings. But I don't mind them. I think Watt is from – he's going to make plays from a leadership perspective on that defense. By the way, Vance Joseph's defense, you think about the Cardinals last year, you're like, oh, their offense. They were they finished 10th DVOA on defense. They were 19th on offense. And they had a lot of injuries too. I do like – and look, they're going to get Chandler Jones back from injury. Yep. Uh, Jalen Thompson back from injury. Robert Alford back from injury. Interior D-line – some question marks there as, as well as linebacker, but I think they might go defense in the draft. Isaiah Simmons his second year. So there's a lot to like about the defense. And look, Peterson was cooked. I mean, he was, he was absolutely cooked. He had his worst coverage grade since his rookie year. He led the league in penalties. He gave up 50 catches on 75 targets. Uh, just he's done. And then you replace him with Malcolm Butler at a good year last year. Look, they're both over the age of 30, but you did it for 7 million less on a one-year deal. So I like that signing. I like the Hudson signing at center to go along with uh, Humphreys at left tackle. He's one of the most underrated tackles, I think, in the NFL. So I think can Murray just continue his progression, make smarter decisions? Can they – I'm not a huge fan of Kingsbury, as you know. Cliff Kingsbury. Play calling perspective, decision-making at the end of games, I think is going to burn them. But, yeah, I like some of the things that the Cardinals are doing. And then the rest of the division, I project the 49ers at 10 wins the on the dot, the Seahawks at 10 wins on the dot, and the Rams at like 10-2. I believe in Stafford. I mean, if you look historically, all quarterbacks, they're, the rankings of their defense and special teams over mm. a 10-year career, Stafford is all the way at the bottom, like the unlucky. He had no help ever in that organization. So, And I'm not a fan of golf, so, and I'm so much lower on golf than I think the history of the world. So I think it's a big upgrade, but their defense not going to be as good. And their defense was dominant, dominant last year, but you lose Troy Hill, you lose Johnson, both to the Browns. So I think that the defense is, it's going to be good, especially when you have Ramsey and you have Aaron Donald, but it's not going to be as elite how much, but the offense I think is going to be a lot better. So how much can, how much better is the offense than the defense will decline? I think it's going to be a little bit better, but I'm right around a little over 10 wins with them. The, the Seattle's like are, they're play calling and the let Russ cook. That's the thing to watch them, but I'm right around 10. I, I have no bet there. San Fran, they look, they're going to be healthier this year. They had such bad injury luck last year. I think they're going to be there depending on how it shakes out with quarterback. Are they going to go quarterback in the draft? Are they not? Is it going to be Jimmy G? Is it so interesting team, interesting division? I don't think I'll be involved in any like you. I would probably lean Cardinals over. But I do want to wait to see what San Fran does in the draft. And uh, the Rams will be fun to watch without golf. Sean Jackson. Could Deshaun Jackson stay healthy and give them a <laughs> Yeah, for three stuff. games. You got to project him for three <laughs> games every single year. But, I mean, Who's yeah, the, the Rams in – yeah, I think the Rams, Seahawks, and Niners uh, are pretty even. So the fact that the Seahawks are, uh, you know, third to win the division, third in win totals, uh, they are my favorite uh, over right now. And then – um, favorite under still the the Panthers, and then I think second favorite over probably the Washington football team. Second favorite under uh, probably the kind of a tie between the Jags and Titans. Um, but I, I think that whole division is gonna gonna stink as I as we talked about. But uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? 
Yeah, I'll have an article. It was good to catch up. Good to talk. We always go along as always because we have so much to say. Word. We appreciate everyone listening. I can't wait to get back in the flow, the weekly flow, but it was good to catch everyone up. I'm looking forward to the drafts. I'll have a piece out later this summer with my final win totals. Last year they went 4-0-2. Hopefully we can duplicate that. Probably have like five or six again. You have to tie up money for such a long time now. If you want to, the three that I would recommend, an over and under in a Super Bowl future, I'd go Bill Super Bowl. I'd go Lions under, and I would go Broncos over. Oh, yeah. I forgot about them. I like the Broncos uh, a lot, too. So, Drew Lock uh, season. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing. It's like, that's why I'm not going to say them as my best bet just because they do have that giant hole at quarterback. But I mean, man, if Drew Lock is even like an average quarterback this year, because, you know, he led the league in interceptions, didn't even start all the games. If he's just average, I mean, this team could be really, really dangerous. All right, we are now joined by our colleague, Matthew Friedman. I'm sure you've been asked this question before, but a priest or priestess acting as a medium through whom advice or prophecy was sought from the gods in classic antiquity? Matt, after the oracle on Twitter, if you're not familiar, how did you come up with that humble name? So uh, it has nothing to do with uh, any prescient skills that I have, because I have none. Uh, It's primarily to do with the fact that uh, I believe in 2010, there was the TV show, The League. And in the pilot episode of The League, there's this little kid whose name is Matt Friedman, the fantasy football oracle. No wife, no kids, just pure football knowledge. So, uh, you know, it was almost destined. Uh, Plus, you know, when I got to Twitter in 2013, like every iteration of Matt Friedman or Matthew Friedman or Friedman Matt, Friedman Matthew, whatever, all of them were taken by people who aren't doing anything with these handles. It's really annoying. So I went with Matt F. The Oracle. Wait, so your, your real name is Matthew Freeman though, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, people ask me if my, if my real name is Stucky. So, I mean, I, that's the only reason I asked because uh, it's not. Um, so at least you're, you have your real name on Twitter and I know you have your real name. Um, so I, for my money, you're the best mock drafter out there from a better's perspective. Um, you crush it. These lines move quick. The market this year compared to others, uh, what would be your high-level thoughts there? Last year's market was so robust because there were no sports going on, right? So it was like the yeah. bookmakers were just putting out tons of lines. And for instance, this year, right now, I've only seen one head-to-head matchup. Uh, and it's you know pretty generic, Devontae Smith versus Jalen Waddle. They both have 11 and a half over-unders. So it's not like there's really much going on there. Last year at this time, we had a lot of wide receiver over uh, wide receiver head-to-heads, uh, more over-unders in the market uh, for guys who maybe weren't even going to go in the first round. So it's it's an interesting market. It's better than all of the other years, except for last year, which I think you know, in the big picture was going to be an anomaly just because the bookmakers had nothing else to focus on. Yeah. It's if you ask most oddsmakers, I'll tell you that draft props are, and just like draft props are very beatable. It's that there are a lot, you know, books will be a loss leader in the draft market. And I'm always interested to see like, are they still going to take that approach? Are they still going to put out lines early or some books just going to wait until the, you know, the last day or two when you pretty much, you see all the line moves, it's, it gets a little crazy. Um, but it's definitely a beatable market. Lines do move. People are going to be listening to this maybe a day or two after you record, so they could move again. But as of right now, what are some of the best value bets that you see on the board? So 
I have an index of mock drafts, uh, you know, mock drafts that I think are predictive by experts who have been accurate over a number of years. Uh, and so I use this index, uh, you know, to help me in my sort of quote unquote handicapping. This index, I think, is really good at helping me order the prospects uh, and at helping me come up with over-unders. It's not quite as good at helping me sort of nail exactly like a running back is going to go to this team in round one, or even like an offensive player is going to go to this team in round one. But some of those uh, those types of bets are the ones that offer higher upside, right? Because you'll find plus money. And so those are some of the ones that people like to bet. And I have found a couple in that area that I do think are profitable. So one prop that is out there in this vein that looks really good is defense to Washington with their first pick in the draft. And, you know, you, I got this at plus 450. I think it's bettable down, honestly, to like even money. Uh, wow. And literally half of the drafts that I've seen, Washington has been going with a defensive player, uh, linebacker to, to be specific. And, you know, you look at defense, uh, sorry, you look at Washington and you can see, obviously they need an offensive tackle. They need a wide receiver. That doesn't mean they're going to go with those positions in round one. I think, you know, in a lot of these, especially in the second half of the first round, whether they go offense or defense, in a lot of cases, it's close to a coin flip. And so to be able to get this, even now I'm looking at it, you can get it around plus 300 at some books. I think there's a significant amount of value there. And then one other one in this vein, uh, offensive player to Las Vegas with the first pick, uh, their first pick in the draft. You can get this at plus 225. I think there's significant value there. I think that should be around plus 100 as well. It's pretty much a coin flip, whether they go offense or defense. So those are two props that are out there, significant plus money. And you know, I think they will still be significant plus money by the time people are listening to this. What is driving the discrepancy between what you think? I mean, I guess Washington makes sense. You think that just from a public betters perspective, you know, just from a complete casual, you would say, look, their defense is loaded already with Vegas. You would say, Hey, look, their defense does need help, but so does their offensive line. And they, but what is driving that discrepancy? Do you think? So uh, a couple of things. One, I think it does have to do with sort of like big picture needs. And so, you know, if books are, are looking at this really quickly, they might just sort of see, okay, this unit is lacking more than that unit or like this unit has uh, bigger needs. And so that's the one that should be favored. Uh, and then maybe they're looking at a couple, maybe like two to three mock drafts out there from people who have big names at bigger media companies. And they're seeing where those mock drafters are putting people and they're, they're shading lines based on that. Like, I think if they were looking at 20 mock drafts from 20 sharp mockers, they would probably have uh, different lines. So I think that's part of what's skewing it. One, just maybe like their quick perception of team need. And then also maybe they're consulting only two to three mock drafts and that's throwing the lines off. Yeah. Um, we, we pretty much know Lawrence Wilson, right? What's going on with, what's the update on number three as of right now? Man, my, my stomach hurts thinking about this. So, I mean, as we are recording this, Mac Jones is plus 150 to be the number three pick. Uh, at one point last week, he was minus 300. Justin Fields is now, uh, you know, a heavy favorite. Well, not heavy favorite, but the, the consensus favorite across the industry. Uh, you know, minus 125 is often where you can find him. Uh, I mean, here's, here's the situation. We do not know what's going on with San Francisco, but we do know that Adam Schefter, who is, I think, as close to the gold standard as he gets with NFL insider information, he has said 
that it will be Mac Jones. Now he has backtracked a little bit from the certainty of that statement last week on ESPN radio asked outright, what do the 49ers do at number three? He said, it will be Mac Jones. He has backtracked and he's framed it in the language of if they were to pick today, I believe it would be Mac Jones, or if it is Mac Jones, it would not surprise me. But Schefter is still leaning. Last we heard, Schefter is still leaning towards Mac Jones. Daniel Jeremiah at NFL Network, who is very tuned in to draft rumors and who in the past three years, each of the past three years, has been a top 12 mock drafter. He is leaning towards Mac Jones. Uh, and um, you know Mike Lombardi, for what it's worth, he also is leaning towards Mac Jones. I think the pick, you know, from a sort of evaluative perspective, I think the pick should be Justin Fields. I think Fields is the better prospect, the better quarterback, the more dynamic player. But given the information we have right now, even though the market has moved towards Justin Fields in the wake of his pro day, uh, and with some people, you know, publicly saying that there are connections between San Francisco and Justin Fields. I still think that right now, Mac Jones should be the favorite. Two other questions. And we really appreciate your time. Uh, you can check out all Freeman stuff on Twitter and on actionnetwork.com and the action network app in your latest mock draft. I'll, I'll throw two things at you that I actually, I don't know, I guess disagree with um, yeah. just kind of, kind of get your thoughts on some people are indirectly associated with, with the, Browns and Colts organizations. I don't think the Browns, you have the Browns taking a linebacker. So does like almost everybody from everyone. Well, not everyone. I from a few people I talked to their very analytic based front office is from what I hear is not going to go linebacker in the first round Colts. I would think that they would maybe go edge on either end where right? they need a tackle because stands are retired and they need someone off the edge. Um, and I think you have them going corner, which would would fill a need any thoughts on both of those teams yeah i mean i could definitely see uh the browns going with an edge defender that is certainly in the wheelhouse uh right there but of course they did just sign jadavian Clowney, so you know maybe that lessens the need for them to take uh, an edge defender there um but defense really like in a hundred percent of the sharp mocks i've seen the browns are going defense there not that that really means anything but i i am you know I am leaning strongly towards the defensive side of the ball. And that is a sweet spot for edge and off ball linebackers in this draft. So that's where I'm looking with Cleveland with Indianapolis. It, it really could go in several directions. I could see them going with an offensive tackle there. They certainly need an offensive tackle uh, in this instance. And then I should, I should say, I could also see them going with an edge defender there. Um, but in this instance uh, with Caleb Farley slipping Good. down the draft board, um, I just had them, you know, selecting a player of value at a position of a little bit of need. So uh, I can definitely see how the Colts do something different. And at this point, we're talking about picks uh, number 26 and number 27. I mean, you know, 10% chance I get either one of these right. You know, like it's, it's not likely to happen this late in round one. Hey, hey, Freeman, I got to jump in real quick and, and ask you a question. You know what? I, I know last year, uh, one of my favorite things about the draft was, you know, kind of figuring out which wide receiver would go first. And I know you were on Henry Ruggs from the jump. And I see a, a pretty interesting line with Jamar Chase. And he's minus 600 or something like that to be the first wide receiver taken. Jalen Waddle's like plus 600. And uh, Devonta Smith is, is plus 700. Uh, what are your thoughts on how that plays out? Do you think the market is overvaluing Chase a little bit? 
I don't actually. And, uh, you know, if we had seen Jalen Waddle run at his pro day, it would maybe be a little bit different because I, I think he's not Henry Ruggs quite in his speed, but pretty darn close. And we have seen the league uh, in the past five years really favor speed merchants in the first round, especially high in the first round. But, you know, Jamar Chase did well at his pro day. And in literally every single sharp mock at this point, Jamar Chase is the number one wide receiver. Uh, he's not slipping past pick seven to the Lions. And uh, I mean, I was on him at minus 140. I was on him again at minus 200. <laughs> I was on him again at minus 300, you know, and like depending on the book that you're looking at, you know, there are lots of ways this could go. But Jamar Chase, uh, I mean, even at minus 600 ish, I'm not going to say, you know, go bets at, at minus 600, but like the implied odds probably still don't match up with the probability because there's a good chance that he ends up going to Cincinnati at number five. And I just don't see something like that in the range of outcomes for either Jalen Waddle or Devonte Smith. But I should say uh, if it is someone other than chase, it's gotta be Waddle. I, I think Waddle has the clear edge over Smith. And, and real quick, do you think uh, Kyle Pitts goes before any other wide receivers? So that's the real question. What happens at number four with Atlanta? I do not think Atlanta is taking a quarterback uh, with, with Matt Ryan there. Justin Fields potentially uh, could go number four if a team trades up. But if Atlanta stays there, I think they take Kyle Pitts. Uh, just to kind of put some perspective on this. Uh, you know, people talk about generational talent. That phrase gets used way too much. But with Kyle Pitts, I think it actually does apply. Um, he has the combination of athleticism in production that we've never seen at the tight end position. You know, Mike Ditka, I, I still think probably the greatest tight end in NFL history. He's the highest tight end selected in NFL history. He went number five. And then as a rookie at that point, he had the greatest tight end season that anyone had ever had. And we're talking about Kyle Pitts as someone who might be better than that with a chance to go higher than Mike Ditka, you know, going number four overall. But I think it's warranted with his really unbelievable combination of athleticism and production. That's just something we've never seen a tight end. Yeah, I'm the I'm the what what was the president of the Kyle Pitts fan club before they split before he got to Florida, but uh, Pennsylvania guy. Uh, but that's. That's Sip Sheldon. I completely agree. Let's throw Pitts out. Let's throw the quarterbacks out. Because we obviously know quarterbacks will have a big impact on the success of the team. You are now looking into these players. I, I assume you have some, I don't know, hot takes or you fall in love with some. Which team and potential selection do you think would improve that said team the most in the first round outside of a quarterback and say Pitts? Uh, you know, I don't know if I have any really – strong takes on something like this but think of Kansas City they've got to do something with their offensive line and whether that's them taking a tackle whether that's them going with a guard you know potentially center Landon Dickerson uh, who you know was an all-American he's coming off of an injury but they have to do something to improve their offensive line and even if it's just one impact offensive lineman that they can add at pick number 31 that's uh, where I have them going with Landon Dickerson in my most recent mock 
Previously, I'd mocked them with Alex Leatherwood, who, you know, is kind of on the border of round one. Uh, also, you know, Alabama offensive tackle, uh, you know, unanimous All-American last year. But whatever it is that they do, uh, I think they need to address the offensive line. And if they can just get one good offensive lineman in there with the additions that they've made in free agency, I think they could be, you know, like right back in it as a, a team that is a, you know, a Super Bowl favorite as the season starts. Yeah, that's not a bad answer. I, I also would argue, we talked about this earlier in the show uh, with my Ravens. I think that if they can find a, I mean, they have such a significant weakness at the edge and wide yeah. receiver. If they can find <clears throat> Peter Bulware, Terrell Suggs, both first round draft picks, rookie of the years as edge players way back in the day. Um, I don't think they've ever had a successful wide receiver they've drafted but um if they can find a wide receiver that comes in as the number one as a rookie tough ass or you know a rookie of the year caliber type edge player that will address two you know one of their main weaknesses on each side of the ball yeah i i hear that definitely and uh you mentioned the two positions edge and wide receiver those are the two positions most frequently mocked to the ravens and it makes sense in my most recent mock i have gregory Rousseau out of miami as the guy going to the Ravens at number 27. Uh, I mean, he has significant all-pro potential, I think. He's sliding down the draft board a little bit because of his pro day, and he opted out of the season. Uh, so maybe they get fantastic value at number 27 with a, a high-potential guy who's falling down the board. And before, before we let you go, anything you want to add, Freeman? Yeah, so two bets that catch my eye right now. Uh, the number of wide receivers to go in round one – uh, that number is four and a half across the industry. And we have three guys who are total locks, Jamar Chase, uh, then obviously Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. You have two guys who are pretty close to coin flips to make it into round one and Rashad Bateman and Kadarius Tony. And then you have three more guys after that, each of whom have a pretty decent chance, not 50%, but you know, anywhere from like 25 to 40% chance of getting in round one in Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore, and Rondell Moore. So you put all of those guys together, and I think we have a pretty good chance of going over four and a half wide receivers in round one. I think five is a pretty good number. I could really even see six. Uh, I have five going in my most recent mock, but Terrace Marshall is right on the borderline. I could see how he gets in and makes it six. Uh, and then one other guy who's caught my eye, Patrick Sertan, you know, cornerback out of Alabama. Um, his over under right now is 10 and a half. And I really think the under is a pretty good bet there. Uh, he has a, in almost every mock draft I've seen, he hasn't fallen past the Cowboys at number 10. Uh, and so that's cutting it pretty close to the over under uh, of 10 and a half. But I mean, you can see how if things don't work out, maybe he goes to the Broncos at number nine. Um, you know, so I like him with 10 and a half as the over under. I would take the under there. Yeah, Diggs and Sertain, I could see that all Alabama cornerback duo in Dallas speaking of corners is, is there what is the number on number of corners in the first round because you know this is a passing league now the importance of wide receivers edge rushers and corners just grows with each passing year I feel like you see and this is just completely anecdotal I should look into it but the Raiders have reached a couple times on corners and you see just reaches on corners and to your point someone could come up and reach on a re receiver it's just it's such an important position in today's league any Thoughts on the number of corners that go in the first round? 
This is a great question. I would want to look at it a little bit more, but so four and a half is the number that is out there. Sertan is a lock. JC Horn is a lock. Greg Newsom, the second out of Northwestern. I think he's pretty close to a lock at this point. Now, one of the big questions is Caleb Farley, who, you know, even let's say like a month ago was looking pretty strong to be a top 10 pick. And then he had the back surgery and now he is falling down draft boards. But let's even assume that he makes it into the first round. That's four cornerbacks. You still have to find another guy who has a a reasonable chance of getting in round one to get over four and a half. And I mean, it's, it's close kind of with Asante Samuel Jr. He would be the fifth one, I think with a real chance to make it in maybe Tyson Campbell or Eric Stokes, both of both those guys coming out of Georgia, but in the majority of drafts I'm seeing four is the number that we seem to be landing on with cornerbacks. So uh, I'm leaning, I mean, depending on the juice, of course, but I would strongly lean towards under four and a half because remember, there's a decent chance that Caleb Farley falls out of the first round altogether. Fair enough. Maybe the, but the, the wild card is the Raiders at 17, taking the corner that no one has in the first five rounds. But um, of course. all right, we appreciate your time. Good stuff as always. You can check Freeman's updated mock draft on actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app. You can find him on Twitter at Matt F. The Oracle. Appreciate you grinding, man. Love this stuff. And I uh, look forward to the draft. Thanks, guys. Again, don't forget to check out Matthew Friedman's uh, NFL draft content, also at actionnetwork.com. And be sure to download the Action Network app, the best sports app out there. You guys can check out uh, my win totals piece. It's up at actionnetwork.com right now. And don't forget, coming up soon on the Action Network podcast, we'll have our annual Academy Awards betting preview a special Kentucky Derby episode, as well as an NFL draft betting spectacular. So check out the pod the rest of April for more great episodes. Really excited about that Oscars podcast. And we'll be back. Let's get this money. We're finished talking.